you know, it sucks because I've done so many interviews and people are like, Ukraine's going to win, right? And I'm like, oh, kiddo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really hard to know how this is going to go. Um, yeah. But again, people are, Ukraine's doing very well. They have, he has to, at the same point, put out a, hey, we're winning this thing. We're doing really well. Keep sending us money. It's not a lost cause. Yeah. Whilst at the same time, we are being attacked by the big bad bear. You need to come save us. Right. And trying to walk that line for Ukrainian social media is really difficult at the moment. absolutely fantastic to be here and and yes it's all a conspiracy just to get ratings for us um, <laughs> it's funny we did it we did a piece on venezuela years ago mm-hmm. um and we put this in the in the piece being like what happens if there's a florida-based company that pays some pmcs to try and overthrow the government in with mining you know with oil money we released that piece on the monday and on thursday it actually happened dead on what we suggested wow. to which my inbox then filled with did you know something we didn't? <laughs> <laughs> and there's been a few times where we, I, I yeah, I've been uh, I've called a few things right, which again, I, I would love to do DraftKings betting, but I think that'd be weird to be like, the following people are going to die. He's right. Bucks. Yeah, um, exactly. It, it feels a little distasteful, but yeah, it's, it's a uh, welcome to geopolitics. It's like watching a very slow moving car crash. <laughs> and then all of a sudden have ads for Foster's and you're just like, yes, <laughs> it all ties in together. The craziest thing is, is how long ago was that when you were on mind dog? Because you did talk about everything that was going on over in Ukraine, what everybody else, I guess, could plainly see aside from them. And then what, like a few weeks later, it fucking happened. Yeah, except we were all kind of sitting there going, "Look, it's it's a good po- it's a possibility it happens, but mm-hmm. you know, he would have to be really stupid to go in." Uh, yeah. And then we were kind of, you know, we saw the build up. We were waiting for lots of little things like the cancelling of officers' leave passes and the, uh, you know, effectively the shipping in of fresh blood and uh, you know the requisitioning of civilian trains. So the cancelling of train routes, particularly around Volgograd in the south. And we're like, okay, that hasn't happened yet. And then the Monday before it happened, all of those tick boxes ticked. And I went, oh, shit. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, it was, uh, was kind of crazy. I have a friend uh, who's a comic out in L.A. Um, hmm. and uh, But her, she's from the Ukraine. Her family's from the Ukraine. And again, the same feeling that uh, I was trying to talk to her about it and everything. And they did not think, they thought it was kind of crazy. And I don't hmm. know if it's more because, I don't know what your take on it is. If it's more because they live under that kind of threat constantly anyway so it's just par for the course if you're there and they were like yeah i know it's almost i felt like uh equating it to um the fault line in california where they're like yeah mm-hmm. they fucking say it every year that there's going to be a thing and then when it finally happens everyone on the outside is like we told you do you think it's that kind that, of a thing that's a pretty good metaphor but it's also just the you know putin's been pretty good at playing thinking out strategy you know doing a cost versus risk reward analysis and going Mm -hmm. this is worth you know this much damage to the country but i get this out of it but with this it's you know we start talking about end games and none of the end games make any sense you know if he annexes ukraine then he's got to effectively deploy 60 to 70 percent of his troops just to police the damn thing if he balkanizes it into seven nations then 
again, that's what stops those guys turning against him because they're not particularly happy with him. Right. Uh, if he splits the country in half, what stops the other half joining NATO? It's There is every single end game here just doesn't make sense. And that's why even when at the last moment we're going, oh, look, all the signs say yes, but why would he do this? And that's, right. you know, yeah, that's a it's a very complicated situation. That's the one thing I notice people talking about constantly. And he's obviously bluffing when he says this is all going part of the plan, which I don't even know why you would even say that. Like, I mean, how, how much face could you possibly save at this point when you obviously clearly thought it was going to be a lot easier to take over than it's been? For yes, him? he he very much thought, you know, we're, from what we can understand, again, it's very hard because it's just Putin is right now very insulated. Even the fact that he got called out for being so insulated the other day. So he released a bunch of videos of here is me with school children and whoever the video editor is didn't, you know, green screen it properly. So his hand is going through the mic. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. Then everyone went, ah, there he is. Um, yep. To which Zelensky just decided to end his press conference the next day by moving the mic just to prove he was there, which I thought was a bit, a little bit on the nose. Um yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty great. It's, so it's very weird to pick exactly what his thought process is, but it's, you know, when we look at the sort of Russian plans in Georgia, it was precision strikes. It was, you know, send the tanks in hard, send them in fast, run through the areas. And Georgia surrendered really quickly. And they went, yeah, yeah no, we're not going to win this one. Have what you want. And I think Russia was probably expecting the Ukrainians to roll over a lot quicker. Um, but, you know, that's probably because Putin hasn't spent any time in Ukraine. And those women can, they can hit a man with a pickle jar at a hundred paces. They're very, very good. Um, and you create, like there are only a few people who have damaged my liver more than myself over the years. And they have mostly all been Ukrainians. So I, uh, you know, I, I, they, if you're going to invade any country, I think, I think, I, yeah, Ukraine is probably one of the most difficult ones you're going to go for. What's the feeling surrounding, uh, Zelensky? Like, I mean, obviously I know what it is now, but I mean, when he came in, you know, uh, became the president, knowing what he was beforehand did anybody see him kind of taking this much of a leadership role it's very weird because we've had this in ukraine ever since the sort of breakup of the soviet union this kind of a russian leaning administration a western leaning administration a russia leaning and it's always one of the two it's mm -hmm. never you know anyone neutral and effectively what ha you know what's really weird is if people don't know he was a comedian before this yeah he ran he was the the star of a show called servant of the people servant mm -hmm. of the nation depending on your language um, and effectively in that show, he's a teacher who goes on a rant and says the government's corrupt, everything's terrible. And he wins the presidency because the Russian and the European candidate split the vote and he goes to the middle and wins, yeah. which is kind of exactly what happened later on when he ran for president, <laughs> so crazy. which is again, super weird. Um, yeah. but again, he's been, he kind of got a great Ukrainian corruption on a bit of a sliding scale. You know, it's mm -hmm. by Western standards, his administration's got some question marks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but by, maybe by Ukrainian standards, he's actually run a really good administration. Um, right. He's not, you know, the bits he hasn't done great on, the bits he has done great on, but that's with every president. There's always going to be sure. pros and cons. But generally, he's been a pretty well-respected, well-liked president, and he's been particularly good with messaging. Most Ukrainian presidents are, you know, old, you know, chubby men who sit in their mansion all day where he's been very active out in the community doing stuff. Yeah. Obviously, since, he's, since this conflict started, he has been amazing at his messaging. Uh, and that's yeah. the whole point. You know, he's he's an actor. He knows how social media works. He, he's, he's young. He's 40, 44, which, again, makes me start to have a bit of a, you know, midlife crisis coming up. I know. Um, it, it is kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a young, he's considerably a young dude. He is young. But that's the thing. Now he knows how to message. He knows things like 
the fact that when Putin says, oh, he's run off to Poland, that it was very important for him to stand with his prime minister and his chief of staff and his defense minister in front yeah. of the Rada, which is their kind of part, their kind of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very important to get those messages out quickly. And he's been very good with that. So yeah. above and beyond what anyone expected Zelensky to be doing, but mm-hmm. yeah, kudos to him. He's in a what very, a- very tough situation at the moment. He really is. And one of the most bizarre, I think, headlines that I that I saw about all this stuff when he was, you know, uh, going out with his with his men and stuff like that and seen in the in the gear and everything was uh, um, Ukrainian voice of Paddington Bear joins. The, and I was just like, <laughs> what an interesting <laughs> what, what an interesting credit to it's give him. Uh, yeah. But I was also, it's, it's I, like, I was also like, wow, Paddington, I love Paddington Bear. That's pretty great. Yep. It's like but, people who introduce, introduce Obama as Michelle's husband. It's just like that's <laughs> you're not wrong. You're just, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. weird like, way to say that, but you're not wrong. I'm like the framing there, guys. Uh, but also, I don't know. That was supposed to like diminish. But I was like, I love Paddington Bear, so fuck you guys. I don't know what you're talking about. That's pretty great. Look, he has he's Paddington bearing arms. That's what he said. The more he's either he's been really on the ball so is like the ukraine the ukraine uh the mayor of kiev has been on yeah, yeah. roofs and machine guns uh we've seen a lot of the defense minister out and about you know it's it is pretty impressive for what we to expect out of, out of a politician what do you make of the whole i mean it's obviously great to have social media during this time you know because that's how we get a lot of the information that we have but it is kind yeah. of a weird way to absorb everything because i feel like you know Younger people don't didn't know this was happening anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's kind of par for the course. You know what I mean? This is ha- this something similar to this has happened several times before, but because of the advent of social media, it's not hasn't been absorbed in the same way. Are you guys having like a weird kind of time dealing with the two? So it's it's a double edged sword because you're getting you know footage from the front line straight out of the bat stuff that yeah. thirty years ago you would have to you know try and convince guys with you know spies to get in there and get you this information and it's just being streamed on tiktok fantastic but it also means the amount of disinformation is now just a fire hose and again there's there's both sides putting disinformation out both sides are exaggerating their gains and it's a lot of you know you'll get people saying oh look the ukrainians have knocked out an entire russian division and it's footage of like a militia group out in donbass that was probably shot in the first days yeah you know there's a lot of people who don't know what they're looking at you know they assume oh these are crack russian soldiers and it's a guys who are still wearing world war ii helmets and they're right. kind of all ragtag um a lot of these sort of victor victorious footage coming out is from one front which again there's five fronts here and two of them are doing well three of them are you know doing really badly for the ukrainians so right. it's very difficult you know we're not seeing social media pick up the v- russian victories Right. Uh, we're seeing them pick up all the Ukrainian ones. So it's yeah. very, you know, it sucks because I've done so many interviews and people are like, Ukraine's going to win, right? And I'm like, oh, kiddo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, it's it's really hard to know how this is going to go. Um, yeah. But again, people are, Ukraine's doing very well. They have, he has to at the same point put out a, hey, we're winning this thing. We're doing really well. Keep sending us money. It's not a lost cause. Yeah. Whilst at the same time, we are being attacked by the big bad bear. You need to come save us. Right. And trying to walk that line for ukrainian social media is really difficult at the moment yeah i mean it's obviously the have you seen the account ghost of kiev mm, yes yeah i mean that was one of the ones that i was like 
no one can confirm it, but also I guess morale wise, that's a great, but you know what I mean? Like well, I understand some of the, the footage, some of the footage came from a, a video game, which was a bit like, it, I know great, it is kind of crazy great for morale. Exactly. You know, yeah. Where you're like, I can't blame them. You know what I mean? You're trying to hmm. raise people's spirits and stuff like that. It's, it's not a terrible way to go about it, but information wise, it's gotta be hard to combat. Very much so. And again, there's so much Russian disinformation on this as, as well. We've seen everything, like the big rumor going around sort of VK, which is Russian Facebook, I guess, um, yeah. and all these sort of social media things is that Ukraine forgot to sign the contract stating their borders in 1991. So technically, this is fine. Right, right, right. Is the, is the weirdest technicality I've seen for a conflict. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. There's, they're like bringing these like these tiny children who are like six and they're like, what is a special military operation? It's like, well, it means it's it's, <laughs> it's weird over there. Um, right. But yeah, it's obviously, and also the fact that <clears throat> we're seeing, you know, the Ukrainians are really good at their messaging because they do a lot in English and they know that's where the target audience that sends the money is. Right. Uh, whereas all the Russian stuff is all in Russian, which means you're only going to get at hardcore analysts like me. So boring, chubby white guys who are going to look and they go, well, frankly, that's a T forty four tank. That's you know, that's a T T seventy two tank, mate. He's probably coming in from the forty eight division. Look at that bloody or you right. know, guys who you're not going to convince anyway. Or you're right. getting people who are hardcore. You know, I don't know what the word for a Russian weeaboo is, but something down that line. Yeah, you know, obviously nobody wants to get into another. Uh, nobody wants to get into a conflict with Russia. But I mean, mm. how how much do you think they're going to be able to push it? before not not much at all and there's there's so much panic around it because well let's play out the actual scenario that we're sitting with state department because i'm working quite closely with those guys at the moment mm. is the polish are saying you know we're saying hey look let's send a thousand men over the border and help these refugees get across you know check their visas over there get everything sorted you know we can even help secure them yeah rah, rah, rah. and people go that's a great idea and then someone in you you know some pessimistic person in the room who quite often is me will go okay what happens when one dumb russian corporal accidentally fires a mortar shell and misses or right. one helicopter pilot strafes and kills three polish soldiers what is poland's response and they go well we would probably hit the airbase that came from i go okay so you're killing russian soldiers what right. is the russian response and then you play that game and go oh yeah this is nuclear war real quick right so it yeah. you don't even want to get anywhere near it because it is such a you know, because Russia is cornered at the moment and they can't afford to lose face, mm -hmm. it's a really tough situation of, well, is it worth risking nuclear war for? There are some things, you know, there are some things we do. So, for instance, there's been lots of ops to, you know, like the Rush, the German, you know, spy master effectively was caught in Kiev when this whole yeah. thing started. So we sent Blackhawks out to go get him and, and bring him back, which, again, that risk calculation was, okay, we don't think that's going to start World War Three. sending mm -hmm. troops in that might start world war three setting civilian volunteers in that probably won't start world war three so it's right. a lot of this trying to find the line although trump's talk of you know painting chinese flags on the planes and sending them over was a bit <laughs> I know. Oh, okay that's that's an interesting thought um considering it's they use completely different that planes that still, yeah it's stunning to me that they still let him talk <laughs> I mean, even like, you, you would think that this would be the opportune time to go, all right, we don't need him to fucking say anything right now. And people if that was a first year student, they'd be yelled at. Like if that were, <laughs> if that were, if that were any of my, even, even the junior interns at the, at, at the show or even junior interns at think tanks, if they said that would be get like a, you're going to be doing paper shredding duty for the next two weeks. <laughs> like, I just don't, what are you saying? You know um, what you did. You know uh, what you did. Yeah. <laughs> Sit in the corner and think about the chat. Look at all these Chinese planes and tell me and think about it for two weeks. Um, and then come back to me. 
how, how I mean, you know, I know this part of the game and everything too, but how genuinely unhinged do you think Putin is at the point where like, do you think he's really eager to start a nuclear war or do you think, you know, it's part of the propaganda where it's like, he's crazy out of his fucking mind. He's losing it. We don't know what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. so I don't think he's, he's fully crazy. He's been, you know, he's been very isolated for a long time now. So he's been, you know, a, he doesn't use the internet, which is yeah. weird to me, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's been alone for a long time. He's been holed up in his darcher and in uh, with lots and lots of uh, books, particularly historical books. And we know he went on a big, long trip with Shoigu, who's the defense minister, a little while ago to Siberia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shoigu is a very big proponent of Peter the Great's history. Um, so we know they probably talked about Peter the Great the whole time. Right. Effectively, Putin has been starting to tell people he doesn't want to be a page in history. He wants to be a chapter in history. That you know, is, he yeah. wants to be on the same the same kind of level as your, your Peter the Greats, your Catherine the Greats, your, your Stalins and your Lenins. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Putin hates Lenin, it's a whole thing. Right. Um, effectively, the way that he could do that is rebringing Ukraine, because that is effectively the crown jewel of the Russian Empire back into Russia's sphere of influence. Right. Uh, and again, because it is Ukraine is is moving further and further and further away from from Russia and towards the West because that's where the jobs are. If he could secure this and he could do it, he would be, you know, Putin the Great for the next hundred years for the Russians. Right. Uh, and there is now, if you, you don't know how true it is, but two years ago there was a rumor he had Parkinson's. Um, um, that kind of floated up a bit and then it came down and we don't really know. Um, hmm. But there's obviously that that thought of, well, if he's thinking legacy now and he's alone and he's isolated and he wants to get his, you know, Putin the Great out of this, invading Ukraine is probably the best thing he could do to get that. Uh, and if he thinks he may be trying to step out, I mean, we actually saw him looking to step out a little while ago, um, but obviously he's stayed in the position. So, yeah, it's it, we don't know if he's, you know, what his mind is doing at the moment, but I don't think he's keen with nuclear war either. I mean, frankly, no one wins on that. And right. you don't really get, you get Putin the Great if you turn the entire Russian cities into car parks. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing. I mean, I, you know, Americans like to dangle the prospect. Of, I mean, most people I know are like, we're going to we be vaporized. And which I mean, I understand like what you just said mm. about the escalation of it. But it seems like the narrative is like he wants it. And I, I can't mm. I can't imagine anybody no. like, oh, full on. Somebody said, oh, full on dystopia today. Yes, we're going <laughs> hardcore directly into the fire. <laughs> no one's coming out. Um well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hope your day is going yeah. well. But no, it is. It is a feeling that I think everybody has here. You know what I mean? Where it's like, mm. like one of my friends who's a comic was walking around the other day. She's like, yeah, I'm doing laps in the mall right now. And none of these people realize they could be vaporized at any moment. And I was like, whoa, 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 back up. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, they're 80 anyway. I'm sure they don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> they've lived. They've lived. They're done. Um, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, if you were, you know what I mean? I mean, I barely care and I'm only 37. Uh, <laughs> not that I, I care. Trust me. This is going in a weird direction. Uh, Look, it could be, it could be worse. I, I read the Chinese white paper on, on, on Australia. And when I read the sort of what they're going to do about Perth, which is my hometown, they're like, it's not worth nuking. I was like, Oh, I feel kind of offended now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Where they're like, yeah, you guys are, you'll, you'll get some of the blowback, the radiation and everything else is going to be fine. I don't even think we're going to get that. <laughs> You'll just be the last people left. Like, oh God, is it even worth it? We can't even leave. <laughs> no, we weird. opened the borders yesterday. We're finally there. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the the whole Putin thing is is obviously 
you know, he's isolated. Everybody's picturing this imaging stuff. How much of it do you think is like propaganda and how much do you think are the Russians with him? You know what I mean? Like, cause I hear things that are like Russian people are disgusted. They're not actually with him, but you, as you just said, he would be a Russian hero if he winds up pulling this off. Do you think that's still the case? Or do you think they're like, fuck no, this is horrendous. A lot of the Russian people are, are not particularly pleased with this war, but just because of the Western blowback. But you know, with Russian society, you almost have to imagine cutting down a tree and looking at the rings as they go in. And it's just mm -hmm. really weird what they've lived through is how they kind of feel. And again, this doesn't it doesn't incriminate everyone. It's just kind of the, you know, the general kind of people you meet in these certain age groups. So the young people, let's say twenty and under, will probably be anti-Putin. Um, they would, they, you know, have, they are connected with the West. They see how we live in the West. Most of them watch Western TV with mm -hmm. terrible Russian overdubs. <laughs> you know, a lot of them see, a lot of them are learning English. They're very educated, you know, all good. You get yeah. to the sort of, once you get to the thirties, that's when right. you start to hit the, the you know, this demographic of Russians who effectively lived through the so end of the Soviet Union. And you've got to realize how chaotic that was. Right. You know, when the World Bank said, okay, when Russia's transitioning from communism to capitalism, we should do this over a space of nine years, the US went, yeah, it's nice. I'll give you six weeks. Um, <laughs> and it was just a free for all. It was right. literally everything that wasn't bolted down was stolen. And if it was bolted down, they came back tomorrow with a screwdriver and got it. Mm. Um, we're talking plutonium got stolen, everything got stolen. So it was chaos. And a lot of that group that lived through that will go and give you the, you know, look, Putin's not great. He's a bit of a dictator. We don't really like him that much, but it's not the 90s. And yeah, I don't yeah. want the 90s again. At least we have stability. Right. And you kind of, as much as, you know, we in the West might go, wow, it's ridiculous. If you've lived in a really chaotic country where, you know, you're going to get shot at in the street and it is, you don't know when the power is coming back on stability kind of seems nice so it's, yeah. it's and then you get the guys who are a bit older than that who are effectively have lived through the peak of the soviet union the sort of 80 you know, mid 80s who all go you know russia was once the world power it was you know we were toe in toe with the us you know we stood you know it was reagan and, and gorbachev it was you know the soviet union was the big thing and now you know most people joke that russia is a gas station with nukes yeah, um, they are nowhere near it. The GDP is where Australia is, and nobody gives a shit what Australia thinks in world policy. You know, it's you know, I love us, but eh, you know, yeah. oh, look, 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 I, I take that back. Fiji cares what we think. <laughs> but that's, do you think that's a bad place to be, though? Or do you think you guys get predominantly left alone? Because I feel like no, you know. No, we're just the US lapdog. That's all we are. We oh, just, right. you know, yeah, we just, we'd run into every war those guys are doing. We don't want to be, we sent like, what, 200 troops to Syria, and I don't even think they unpacked their gear. We're that kind of like, yeah, we're here. Right, right, right. Do, do you want us to do it? Like, we're also the only nation of all the bases in Afghanistan that, you know, refuse to not have a bar. Um, every, every other country was like, look, it's a, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Muslim country. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have alcohol. And the Australians said, bugger that. If that gives you an idea about our, our armed forces capacity, <laughs> you know, I won't disparage your armed forces. There's fantastic people and, uh, work with those guys quite a lot, but yeah, it's, it, we're a very odd country. But anyway, yeah. back to, back to, yeah, Russia. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there is still support. Um, there is still support for Putin. He still does. Even if the elections were not rigged he would probably win. Um, wow. But again, there's also no one there that's really, you know, if all the Republicans have a heart attack tomorrow, there's mm -hmm. Democrats to step in. Whereas in Russia and Kyrgyzstan, or you know, Russia and Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan, and all these kind of 
you know, ex-Soviet countries, quite often it's like a central party leadership. And then there's a like the next down is like three, four percent of the vote. Right. So the next down from the Russians is, uh, you know, effectively the Communist Party at twenty percent of the vote. Okay. Um, and it's still led by Gennady Zinoyev, who was the leader in 1991. Wow. So when the nukes do go off, it'll be him and Keith Richards left. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go back to that part where you said uh, all the Republicans have a heart attack, because that was a nice moment. I think we can all <laughs> just dream. Yeah, um, I'm not making any comments there, but uh, no, it's, it's fine. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll take over that. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. I like, I mean, I, I think, I think the thing is like, cause I mean, look, everybody's trying to look for some kind of peace of mind, even though this, this shit's insane. And I think uh, not enough is said about like, no one really wants nuclear war. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because that's, that's a nice, a nice thing to kind of focus on because I feel like everything from Fox news, which is like, I don't know, you know, you've watched it. Unfortunately, I think we've all had yep. to endure going through it. If you're only watching that, and from what I'm getting from people in my family who are a little older, is like it's upon us. Somebody like everybody wants it. You know, we only have a matter of days, and I feel like that's not a great way to live. But it is nice to know that like everybody's really cautious, including the guy who's isolated. Most most, most people are quite cautious, and this is why that the you know the Russians are being careful not to hit you know where yeah. they know that there'll be columns and they're trying to do what they can do you even think um, if they did though like how quickly i mean I, I that's another thing to do even if they did i feel like there would be i mean you know like you said like poland would obviously attack that base and then it would escalate like but do you actually think that they wouldn't kind of have to have that conversation like okay if we do this it's it it's all over like do you think they would actually come to that it would be it would be a staring match and again it's that you know Fucking wild, if, if smart people were at the table, yes. But uh -huh. right now, the Polish the Polish are going under a, a big chunk of nationalism at the moment. Uh, the Russians will be under a big chunk of nationalism at the moment. And it, it's, do you even want to roll the dice on that? If I say, look, you know, you roll this dice. I, it's We're only all going to die if I roll a one. Don't even roll that <laughs> dice. Like, stop. <laughs> stop what you're doing. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's not worth even getting anywhere, anywhere near it. Again, you can send in lots of NGOs to do that same job. You can send yeah. in lots of helpers and, and volunteers to do that job. As long as they don't have a Polish flag on their arm, we're fine. And that's right, kind right, of right. what everyone's doing at the moment. Just like, don't, no one get officially dead. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Even if, even if you have to like weekend at Bernie's that situation, just give us the time. Yes, no one die on that side of the line because right, right. that'll be that's a problem. <laughs> um, that's effectively a big problem where we're at. One yeah. of the other, you know, really depressing things about this is to give you an idea of how Russian unusual doctrine works right. is Russia is often regarded as an artillery army that happens to have tanks. Hmm. Uh, and when I remember speaking with a Russian, hanging out with a Russian officer years ago, his words to me were, "Well, it's far easier to conquer car parks than it is apartment buildings." Um, Right now, the Russians are kind of fighting with one hand behind their back. So they haven't, they've only declared, you know, pushed in about 35% of what was across the border. Right. Uh, and they're actually, they're hitting precision targets, but they're very quickly running out of precision missiles. Right. It's why most of these apartment blocks you see blown up are kind of near, you know, staging facilities or they're near airfields or they're near something of value. Mm -hmm. when we go to see what Russia does when they're just, when they're, that's it, okay, uh, you know, safety catch off is what they do in Syria, which is just effectively just artillery an entire block until it's just rubble and then run the tanks over the rubble. Um, and that's, they're trying to hold back at the moment to give the Ukrainians an out and go, look, you know, you know how bad this is going to be if in like, if you don't, if you keep fighting. Mm 
Right. If we keep losing, we move to the car park doctrine and we start, you know, not losing 300, you know, civilians a day. We start losing 30,000 civilians a day. Jesus. You know, please surrender now or we move to that. So yeah. again, this is not even the bad stage of the war at this point. That's, that's, I guess, the most depressing thing I can give your listeners for the morning. Yeah, right. this is just the beginning. And it's funny because it's all a chess game, right? And Russians are pretty good at chess, so they're looking like 11 moves down. Uh, again, I, I, as much as I, I think they are good at chess, I think, you know, yeah, they, they're about three moves ahead. But the long game, as we talked about at the very start of this interview, there is no end game here that yeah, works. No. Like we've sat, you know, I've sat in so many <clears throat> briefings and meetings and debates over the last little while with, with very, very intelligent people. And we're all sitting there going, you know, gaming this out and every single scenario goes, that's kind of a shit option. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I know there's nothing, there's no good things on the table. Um, because again, there was a calculation probably misdone somewhere that Ukraine would surrender as soon as the Russians came across the border. Right. Yeah. And at what point do you think, I mean, you know, Zelensky obviously has got to go with what his people want. And if his people still want to fight, but at what point do you think he should be like, all right, look, we're losing too. Like, like, how do you, how do you, how do you think he balances that kind of shit out? You know what I mean? Like everybody still wants to fight, but we are clearly getting our asses kicked. We're losing this thing. Civilians are dying. I have a responsibility. Or do you think Zelensky is going to wind up going full tilt? You know, he's either going to get himself assassinated or he's going to get himself killed when he gets captured. See, that's the real, you know, the real terrifying bit at the moment is obviously the Russians right now are surrounding all these big cities. So right. Bordyansk, Mariupol, Chernev, Kharkiv, Kiev, um, and effectively Odessa will probably be next on the list. Mm -hmm. But they're not going into the city, but they're just placing artillery right outside of it and right. moving for that, you know, surrender or we start, you know, massacring big batches of Ukrainians. Sure. So there will be a point where Zelensky will have to make that call of, well, do I keep fighting? You know, and we will, he'll just start artillerying civilians, yeah. uh, or do I surrender? And this is but, a really, really tough decision. But right now, every day he fights and makes it harder for the Russians, the more likely he is to get a bit, you know, they're having frequent sort of talks between the Ukrainian and Russian defense ministers at the moment. Mm -hmm. There are talks between, you know, all the parties here. He's hoping to put enough of a rough, you know, stab into the Russian side that he can get something decent out of a peace talk that maybe Russia, you know, there's all pull across the border, but you have you can never join NATO, which they couldn't anyway because of the territorial right. disputes in the east. That's what I don't understand. I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they couldn't join NATO anyway. So what is the? I mean, obviously the peace talks would be like, hey, great, you're not going to bomb our fucking city anymore, and nobody's going to have to die needlessly. But mm. for how? I mean, peace talk for what? For how long? Like, what's the nego? What's the what's the best negotiation he could possibly make in that situation, and one that his people are still going to be like? great good job you know we feel vindicated and the ones that are still going to want to fight congratulations you are every defense person i've ever spoken with for the last three weeks now we're wrapping um, the show up guys it's yep <laughs> like you again you think all these smart people and we still all hit this roadblock of like well what's there's no good options on the table right um and this is the this is where we're at so effectively yeah the 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 thing that we only think we can think that everyone would be happy with is Ukraine vows to never join NATO or the EU and Russia pulls back across the border, but gets to keep all of Luhansk and Donetsk and we call it a day there. And even that, that would probably be fine for the Ukraine. They could save face and walk away from that. Mm -hmm. But that would mean a lot of Russian deaths for a very little amount of territory gained. Exactly. Um, and not only that, though, how long before they wind up going, okay, we want the rest of it? Like, what's yeah. the, that's what I mean. Like, how, like, it's, it's, 
it's just going to be another one of those things that everyone's going to go, oh, okay, it's just a matter of fucking time. It's a ticking time bomb. When's it going to go and back that's in? The, and that's the problem. Do you blunt the Russians now? And even then, the Russians are also at this point right now. Of, the US has not said that they'll tank the sanctions off if the Russians leave. They've just said you're under sanctions. So right now the right. Russians are going, well, we've already taken the worst we can possibly get. Why not just push right through Ukraine and possibly even into Moldova? Yeah. Um, well, you know, you've already done the worst thing you can do to us. Sure. And I'll tell you right now, those sanctions, man, I mean, there's people, I mean, we're, I think we're very close to just going back to horses because the gas price, you know what I mean? Like, like Americans are not, <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, not too happy <laughs> about the gas prices and shit, but we're not exactly eager to, uh, you know. The the crazy bit is though that was already baked into the cake before all of this. Effectively, right. gas prices are a macroeconomic trend. So mm -hmm. a lot of these nation, OPEC nations decided how much gas they're going to make this year, and they would have decided that about a year ago. Okay, uh, That's how many plants they bring online, so many people they bring online, and we actually came out of the pandemic a lot better than OPEC thought we would. Hmm. So there was already a shortage in the market, and they went, well, there's a shortage. Petrol prices up a little bit, not a too much of a problem. And then we had all of the Ukraine-Russia stuff kick off and went, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of just like, you know, we're just throwing petrol on a fire now. Uh, even, yeah. Actually, no, we're not because we can't afford the petrol. We can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> but effectively, as much, as much as people blame, you know, that's the thing. I've seen the stickers on, on even Australian petrol pumps go with the Biden, I did this on the petrol pump. Yeah, and it's, it's like, all over. Every macroeconomics professor right now is just pulling their hair out, going, "No, that's not how this works at all." Right. Um, so it's it's they a get lot those of bumper thing. stickers out fucking fast. Like in oh, my like even yeah. in my shore trash area where it's just like whatever. I, I'm driving around. I see it on the it's Biden's fall gas price, and I'm like, "Where are they getting them?" It's <laughs> everywhere, by the <laughs> was, way. Everywhere. Yeah. I was in yeah. Arizona. I saw it. I was like oh. everywhere. Yeah, they're mass producing that shit. Yeah, because it, it's great advertising. Um, yeah, because again, it's 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 one thing Americans really do, you know, understand. If I was to sit with you know average people and go, well, the macroeconomic trends will suggest that the petrol price is probably going to rise by about twelve percent due to the shortage in the market, and this is probably going to be a Q four problem. Who gives a shit? I even, I'm bored <laughs> myself just listening to that. You know, it's literally just me and four of the Cardigan idiots that listen to that kind of stuff. <laughs> petrol prices idiots. is what people understand, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, it's 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 going to be a rough rough one for a while. But this is effectively this is a a lot of countries are moving to gas. There's been a, a lot of you know shortage in certain bits of the market. There's been other guy players who to pull out. Um, but yeah, so all prices it's it's made worse by the conflict, but it's not the the full cause of it. Right. Uh, are you optimistic about anything in particular? About I mean, obviously not. The <laughs> I, it, it, oh, no, I mean, just, I don't, I'm not just, even putting you that just summed on you. up my entire coat of arms. Are you optimistic about anything? <laughs> uh, I, whole, that I is, mean, this as a general hold. I mean, it's not that you're not, but I mean, like, is it? Are you is, my? Are, are you my fiance? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, you know, yes. Uh, in this case, <laughs> we are married until this show ends. So, or we're <laughs> close to being anyway. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, like, you know, it's hard to be. I think, but you know, is there any? Do you, do you have any kind of hope? I th there are, there is some hope out of this. So, uh, you know, on for the Americans right now, it, under the Trump administration, we were talking about disbanding NATO. Trump was right. trying to push for that. Right. You know, there was even before this, NATO couldn't even agree on what paperclips they want to use. Right. You know, you couldn't get the Hungarians, the Romanians, the Italians, or anyone to agree on anything. And a lot of people were starting to have the, you know, 
all the sort of academics were having these, you know, is NATO still required kind of talks. Right. You know, it's it's coming up and it's, you know, it's it's, you know, there is that talk. Now there is so much support for NATO. It is yeah. Europe is now unified. We now have everyone on the same page. Even Hungary's saying the right things and Hungary never say the right things. <laughs> um sorry, I just annoyed everyone in Budapest there. Um <laughs> there's an election coming up. Please do the right thing. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Um, so effectively, we're in a position where this is the most unified the West is going to be for a while. Right. Uh, for the foreign policy guys anyway, not for you know, everything else. You know, yeah. Just a wildly and everything else is, is cooked. But, you know, NATO's fine. Um, the EU effectively will, this may actually bring some good energy policy out of this because right now they're either stuck in either going, you know, if you're Germany and you've just lost a whole bunch of natural gas coming in and you still want to hit any of your targets, you either have to really ramp up your renewables to hit those targets, or you've got to go back to coal and just say, bugger it, we're never going to hit it. And most countries seem to be going, okay, well, we might as well ramp up the renewable programs. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very expensive and difficult, but we'll, let's let's go for it. <clears throat> and that's, I think that that is a good thing for Europe, trying to get into energy independent of those guys, uh, right. because that's... Russia's had a hole in Europe for a very long time because of energy, because they can just switch the gas pipes off at any time. Because of this, a lot of Europe is actually going to start to really operate themselves. And if Europe is independent of what Russia thinks and they can actually do what they want and they not, you know, at the beck and call of Moscow, probably right. a good thing for Europe. So, nice. you know, look at this, you know, it's, it's you know, like, you know, a whole plate of rotten food, but there's a great cherry tomato in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Maybe, just maybe, Putin's end game is clean energy across the world. And he's just, <laughs> oh, he's yeah, just all, he's no, the he, Iron Putin's, Man. Putin's end, Putin's end game was to ruin my week. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is it's funny because like, I, 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 I've been joking about this with my, with my partner. I said, because I get like one day off every two months at most. Mm. I, I just, I'm working all the time. And I had a day off booked on in August last year. <laughs> And that day that I booked off was the day that Afghanistan fell. And I went, okay, whatever, fine. <laughs> and then the next day I had off was the day Kazakhstan kicked off. <laughs> oh, my God. So I'm now half assuming that it's like, I should never have a day off. <laughs> right. I'm starting to get rid Every time I have a, a couple of hours off, I start feeling nervous for Paraguay. It's just, it's just getting to that point now. <laughs> just don't ever plan for it. That way they can't no, decide when it, yeah. Yeah, just take a random. I can day never off. take holidays. That's that's what we've learned from this experience. I was gonna say that like last time we talked to you, and then this fucking shit happened. So now I'm just gonna mm -hmm. mark. I'm like, is he off this day? Because I'm not gonna go on vacation then. Because <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna. It's like it's like when you know when earthquakes happening, when all the animals flee the woods. I'm like, what is Michael Hilliard doing? <laughs> is he? Because a lot of people book their trips. Like, oh, I'm thinking about going here. Have you been there? I'm like, yeah, I've been there. It's slow. He's like, I'm not going there. <laughs> 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 if he's been there it's not a good place so just leave yeah. that one alone um but yeah oh it's we may see some stuff out of this we may see people sort of start to go energy independent on a few things that's great but it's it's a rough road ahead for a few months at least that's not bad news though. i mean it's not yeah it's a rough road ahead but it's not bad i mean i feel like it's one of those things that not everybody talks about because why do it you know there's no benefit to talking about that kind of shit because the focus is obviously on the worst part of everything because that's what get yeah. gets you know the clicks and stuff like that but that's i liked that was nice when i asked for hope i wasn't expecting that uh i, I thought you were gonna be like no um <laughs> absolutely uh, you know, not. well um, yeah yeah so um, i got a question what do you think nato's responsibility is here too because it gets really sticky nobody wants to nobody wants to dance in this 
But so, yeah, NATO's responsibility is to protect NATO partners, and that's unfortunately as rough as it is. And right now, NATO's having a lot of talks about Moldova because that's the next one. Uh, we're all going to hear a lot about Transnistria very soon, um, which I've spent a bit of time there. It's a lovely place. I'm going to say that politely. Um, hopefully, I don't have to go back anytime <laughs> soon. This is the first time anyone's uttered anything like that. So, yeah, that's um, nice. On yeah, the show. So, so, yeah, NATO NATO has to protect NATO partners. And right now, it, a lot of countries will be, you know, beefing up the defense. Because right now, if you're, you know, if you're Montenegro and you go, well, okay, I'm spending 1% of my GDP on defense. And you go, well... NATO requires is asking me to spend two, but what good is one extra plane going to do against Russia? Yeah, right. who cares? Right now, we're seeing a lot of countries actually rearming and getting themselves and rebuilding up military forces. Germany, in particular, who Germany has always been you know, pretty much disarmed and fighting economic wars since World War II. Right. Um, they kind of have a hangover from, from that whole thing. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I think they went through something. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we don't talk about the war. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but the fact that Germany's rearming is is insane. Like that's you know, in literally in the space of a a, a week, we're now having conversations. Are uh, is Kazakhstan on the chopping block? Finland and Sweden are now looking to join NATO. Moldova is having talks in the EU. We're now having Germany rearm. This is like th a month ago. Would you've been called crazy? Um, right. so this has been a, a huge paradigm shift in, in Europe. Even the concept of a European army is now back on the table. Uh, these are all things that are, are ballistically nuts. We're seeing a lot of these far right populists like uh, Marine Le Pen in, in France, who effectively were pretty good political contenders, uh, and have been shaking Putin's hand for months and have been Putin, 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 Putin. And then Putin went into Ukraine and now they go, oh shit, okay, we should get rid of all the flyers with us on them and then realize that every single flyer has the two of them together. Yeah. Um, so we are probably going to see a bit of right-wing populism take a big shrink. You know, this is a unifying force for a lot of the European community. Um, so, you know, we, we are going to see Slovakia and Czechia and Romania and Bulgaria start to look at each other and go, Look, I don't like you that much, but I really right. don't like that guy, um, which is good. I think the, the more integrated Europe can be, the better it is for the European community. So it's, you know, it's there are some rays of sunshine out of this absolute terrible situation. Yeah, I wish I could say the same for the US, man, but I feel like there's still some confusion on the Republican side. Like they're not used to seeing a people <laughs> defend its capital. They're like, what is going on there? What are you doing with the capital? How <laughs> <laughs> did that? Because I'm not sure we're supposed to be doing that. It's, it's weird. I mean, I wish the U.S. was doing, you know, I could say we were unified. I feel like we are. But then I, you know, you watch the news and you're like, there's people genuinely confused. I think there's there's always a bit of a bell curve with it. And, you know, from working in, in radio and television over the years, you know, if you interview 100 people on the street yeah. about any issue, whether it be, you know, the abortion is the big one. But you interview 100 people, most people are going to just give you the like, oh, yeah, I don't, you know, they have a kind of middle of the road opinion. But you don't put that on TV. It's not interesting. You get the like. You know, every abortion causes Iran to gain 400 missiles. And you forget the person who's like, I should, I've had 12 and I'm going for another 12. Um, you know, those are the people you put on TV because they make the most interesting television. Right. And unfortunately, that's kind of what a lot of US media does. Is they Do you think that Putin relies out. on that? Sorry. I didn't oh, very that. much so. Very yeah. much so. Right. Um, you know, the, the Russian government has put a lot of money and, and megaphone help into, you know, like we watched, you know, one of my staff works for Twitter 
she works in the disinformation unit. So she gets to see all this in real time. Good Lord. And we watched a lot of this, you know, you know, Australian patriots unite, you know, that kind of, all that kind of nonsense, you know, mm. just drop off the moment Russian Twitter stopped. Wow. Um, you know, we're watching a lot of the American sort of, and they, and they do both sides. You know, we've mm. seen, you know, because the Russians aren't particularly good at what they do, like, well, no one IP address is, is putting in misinformation out and then they'll check into the Starbucks across from the GRU's headquarters. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is brought to you by NordVPN. Anyway, moving on. Um, Ukrainian war brought to you by Raid, Shadow yeah, Legends. so great. Moving. <laughs> wow. So... Yeah, it's it's been wild at the amount of megaphoning that and uh, and everything that the, the Russians do do in the American sphere. Right. When do you? So I'm going to ask some personal questions, by the way, because I feel like you're on the show. We know we'll get, well, our look, we're married, get, of course. It's what yeah, we do. Exactly. You know? I should probably know before we elope. Um, <laughs> favorite color? No. Um, so what, uh, when you started the Redline podcast, I mean, wh how long ago was that? That'd be two to two and a bit years ago now. Okay. What I mean, did you did you really like? Did you think it was going to get as as big as it's gotten as as, as attention grabbing? Did you Nowhere do it because near. right? No. Like we are we now we just had a month uh, of two point eight million streams last month, which yeah. is yeah. Congratulations, by the way, fucking awesome. Um, yeah, which is again, I have no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's you know, I guess we're the Ukraine guys that everyone went. Oh, look, those guys. Um, yeah it's it's been crazy you know i expected this show to literally just be you know a outlet just for me to yell into a mic and not have to annoy my lovely fiance with did you see what happened in turkmenistan this week <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't care not all at all <laughs> um but yeah fortunately we've got a very good team we've got a team of what 15 on the show now um nice. who are all working crazy hours and pulling together stories and everything else so yeah we've been very lucky to have all great guests and good shows and you know, go after topics and, you know, have the sort of freedom uh, from our supporters to be able to go and, you know, talk about, you know, we just talked, did an episode on Bougainville to which yeah. they all thought about Bougainville. Right. right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how much, I mean, would you say, you know, obviously that kind of attention, you know, that many streams, stuff like that, you get the good with the bad, you know what I mean? Hmm. Is it, do you have people that are focused on dealing with that kind of shit responding? Cause you were talking about in the uh, backstage a little bit, maybe responding to certain, Comments, you don't often do that kind of stuff, but how do you kind of navigate that at this point with the popularity of the podcast and everything that's going so, on in the world? So I still I, I still tend to actually answer almost every email that gets sent through to me. Um, Holy shit. I usually, I know, I get my email gets absolutely slaughtered uh, mm -hmm. and I usually I take about, uh, you know, unless they're crazy and if they're like a death threat, it's like you come to Armenia and I kill you. I'm like, you're right, right. Not, <laughs> I'm just not going to come to Armenia. Yeah. You're like, don't tell me where you're going to kill me. I just want to show I, up. I come to Australia. I'm like, if you can get in here, you deserve to kill me. Come on in. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are so ridiculous. Um, yeah. It's so, like when you were in school and somebody used to be like five o'clock, the park, be there. I'm beating your ass. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to go to the park. If I would. You know, <laughs> like, why would you tell yeah. me the time and place? Yeah, and you, like that's half the time my, my producer always laugh because if sometimes I'll just send back a like, thank you so much, you know. Oh, if you could send me some sources to read, I'd love to have a look at them because they never respond yeah, to that yeah. if you're polite. Or you get back this like, yeah, like read Mein Kampf, it's great. I'm like, oh shit, no. <laughs> um, but most of the time, I, I generally have a rule if someone's taken the time to write to the show, I'll, I'll take time to write to them. It may be two weeks after they've got to me. Sure. Um, and I'll just take an afternoon and literally sit there and just bang out, you know, 
160 like thank you so much yes i do think that russia is bad too you know please yeah, see yeah. the following <laughs> articles we put together on this um you know the fun one is we know you know uh when you know there's an australian university where they obviously listen to the show fair chunk because whenever their uh, international relations course releases a new assignment, mm. we tend to get a with lots of, hey, what are your thoughts on this particular issue? And they're all coming in from student emails about the same time. And you're going, nice. okay, that's hilarious. I know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and I'm happy to oblige. <laughs> For a and fee. The Patreon link is the following. Smart. We got to get on that train. That'd be nice. Um, you're doing what, high school kids' assignments is not the train I thought I would be on. <laughs> <laughs> as long as the money's coming in, man, you could fund that whole wedding you got coming up. It'd be nice. Uh, um, Again, though, I'm doing a wedding in Georgia. It's like, it's not an expensive wedding. <laughs> right. Right. The country. Atlanta's uh, pretty cheap. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, you see all those tweets the other day, because Georgia obviously put an application to join the EU. So everyone's going, how can Georgia join the EU? Why can't Florida? I'm like, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Um, this is a lot for Florida. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's the turn? Do you think there's like a turnover though, like for um, like people who may have been on the fence about an issue, and then they're writing to you like, "Fuck, you totally changed." Like, do you pay attention to that kind of stuff? Yeah, or? yeah, and obviously those those messages are always really nice, um, right? And there are people who you know will go, "Yep, this is really great." You know, we get professors who have studied it for forty years say, "Yep, that was a really great piece." You've nailed this and this and this. Obviously, you will get the occasional person say, "I don't agree with you," um, with this particular thing. You know, I fact checked mm. four. You know, I had one email that came through the other day. It's like, I checked, fact checked four of your interviews and went through every single line. And I, you mispronounced this word here in <laughs> minute 48. I'm like, all right. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll quit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, um, guy. So, yeah, it's generally it's water off a duck's back to me. Again, I spent my career as a conflict journalist getting shot at. So, yeah. you sending to me that, you know, I'm a, Kirgi spy isn't really going to perturb me that far. <laughs> right, right, right. That brings me to my next question. Conflict journalist getting shot at. What is, did you ever, um, what's the closest you probably felt like, fuck, I'm not going to get out of this? <sighs> Two would come to mind that were really not, really a bit hair raising. Um, that were, you know, there were lots of hair raising moments, but one of them was when we were in Kyrgyzstan and I had, you know, taken the day off like an idiot. Uh, and decided to go ride some horses through the national park mm. and was like, oh, yeah, this is good. And then I rode past these old Russian army trucks, which is not that unusual. I was like, right. Yeah. And then I rode into this valley and then it hits sort of 12 o'clock and I hear just in the distance, the I'm like, sounds like an artillery shell. And then right next to us, because we've ridden into the old, you know, into where they were doing big exercises. And oh, I'm sitting wow. on this tiny little Kirkus horse in negative 30 going, Oh shit! And now yeah. it was myself, my myself, and the and the sort of the little Kyrgyz man I was with. I, I, he doesn't speak in English. But he said the <laughs> f word really, really well. <laughs> um, so we we ran. We're just like escaping on these horses out of here. And we eventually got back to the bar, and I just bought him whatever bottle of vodka he wanted. And we sat there and just drank until my driver found us again. Holy um, shit! The other one we got it we ended at transnistria which is this breakaway soviet republic uh, right. in moldova which you're gonna hear a lot about in coming up um hmm. effectively we went in there to sort of see if we could buy a nuclear weapon that was what we were there for okay um, and we got over the border and got past the russian peacekeepers and then they went into this you know there's it's like there's bullet holes in everything there's a picture of lenin across the bed you know it's it's a weird place 
Um, to give you a bit of an idea on what it's like, I asked a local there, I was like, why are the plants all made of plastic? He goes, is uh, so you can't get the microphone wet, yes? Oh, oh shit. All right. Fuck. Um, so we, we, we spoke, got to our apartment, and they're like, oh, we haven't seen a tourist in six months. You got the place to yourself. I'm like, yep, fine. And then three hours later, this little, you know, little kind of uh, Russian guy comes in and just happens to book on the same day as us. He went, mm-hmm. okay, he's there watching us, whatever, that's fine. So I did this, we did the standard thing of just getting him really drunk. Uh, you know, you do the standard thing, you ask him a bunch of questions, you keep that in the back of your mind, you get him really drunk and you ask the same lot of questions and see how it lines up. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so we did the story, we got in there and did what we needed to do. And then I got a call from one of my contacts in the government there and went, uh, yeah, you need to, um, you need to go. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're about to arrest you at midday. You need to get out of the country like now. Um, and I went, okay. Holy shit. Can we get? He's like, okay, we have an arms dealer who can probably smuggle you out, but you'll have to go in the boot of a car. I went, whatever it takes, just get me across the border. I don't want to go to a Transnistrian prison. Right, now, right. The worst, now, the worst bit is I bought my fiance on this trip with me like an idiot. Um, oh I speak Russian. She doesn't. Right. So I had to then look at her and go, sweetie, um, mm, so we're going to go to Moldova a couple days early. And she goes, oh, why? I'm like, oh, I'll tell you when we get over the border. <laughs> And the, the car pulls up and I've had to make like last minute pay phone calls to like just like make sure the board is going to get us across. And like, you know, we're sitting there holding a couple of bottles of cognac and some cigarettes, you know, because that's good currency to sneak across borders. Sure. Uh, we're sitting in the boot and the guy pulls up, the boot opens up and she looks at me like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you need to get in the boot. I'm super sorry about this. I'll explain when we get to Moldova. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, and then we, we had to we had to get in the shitty shitty old car and we got snuck over the border um so yeah i don't know if i'm ever allowed back because i have wow. a visa coming in but i do not have a visa going out oh my god <laughs> man that's fucking insane and, and you guys are still uh engaged so that's pretty nice we are still engaged that that poor woman and again it was it's a fantastic story to tell uh at, right. at bars but good god it was terrifying at the time uh, mostly shit. because i knew that if we got sent to prison my mother-in-law would kill me um <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> because again, she asked what Moldova was like, and I didn't tell her we we're going to Transnistria, and mm-hmm. I was warned specifically by the Australian government not to go to Transnistria. Um, oh my God. They said we will not come for you. I went, oh good, I'm going to go anyway. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah, and you didn't plan. See, that's before you knew that taking off was like a detriment to your life, society, mm. the world. Yeah, so that that was fun. So yeah, that was a it was. And the worst bit is I told this story on another show and I didn't tell my parents any of this. Obviously, I don't tell my parents when I'm in shot at. I don't buy my parents to you know, keep that all quiet. And I got a call from my mum about a year and a half ago. She's like, Michael, I'm like, what's going on? I haven't heard from you for a while. I just watched you on this program and you went to Transnistria. What is going on? I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. So I copped it when I got back too, which was lovely. Oh, <laughs> What were you going to say, Tom? Oh, I was going to say, I wanted to see the twist ending be like he pulls back that curtain and he's got a nuclear device. Right <laughs> <laughs> we need a war dog style movie, but with you and your fiance and, and your buddy, whoever you went out there with the other uh, last time. Yeah, I, I don't want to mention his name because he's um <clears throat> very busy at the moment. Uh, oh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it was a very interesting time. There's been a few places where um, my fiance is come on a few trips with me now and this poor woman when we started dating you know i was still a conflict journalist um full-time doing that and you know i remember her being like oh come on assignment with you i was like 
yeah, I'm going to Belarus. She's like, oh, sounds nice. I'm like, is it like Paris? I'm like, yeah, it's like Paris. <laughs> Just a filthy person. Um, That's great. And then I sent her, to, and then I took her to Ukraine straight after that. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. She's wow. gonna be like, can't um, we just go to the Bahamas? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, she lives in the, she grew up in this like quaint little English village and is like when we got to Ukraine and we, you know, when we got to Ukraine, I remember we got to one of our accommodation and they handed us like she's never been in any of these kind of nonsense places. And they hand us these two army helmets. And I'm sitting there going, shit. And then she goes, oh, what are these for? And the guy goes, is uh, just in case. And she's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, that poor woman. I, I Again, two days after that, I was like, yeah, I, I got approval from the army. We're going to Chernobyl tomorrow. She's like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so what war tour yeah. country are you guys getting married in? Uh, Georgia. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's nice. That's which is, nice. is funny because Georgia's just over the border from Chechnya, which is one of the most dangerous bits of Russia, or was one of the most dangerous bits of Russia. And right. I spoke to a friend of mine you know, about the bachelor party, and he goes, Let me sort something out for you. And we talk, he's like, We can go to Chechnya for the bachelor party. Obviously, we don't know now because Russia's, you know, doing its thing. Right. Um, but I remember that he put me on this guy. He's like, Yes, uh, you come to Chechnya and uh, we do bachelor party. We, uh, uh, I'd give you tank. You drive tank and uh, blow up, uh, blow up car or something. Right? Wow, that sounds fun. fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm really in for that. And he goes, "It is uh, no problem. Uh, we do not um, uh, breathalyze. No problem." <laughs> wow. Can I marry oh, you? <laughs> yeah, that's fucking hilarious. She's she's talking about like, oh, I'm gonna have a like, crochet party before we leave, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna blow up a vehicle, and, <laughs> and there might be Chechnyans in it. Yeah. <laughs> I I told my my producer this because I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna go do this. He's like, don't drive over the border. I know it's great for ratings and it starts a war, but don't drive it over the border. <laughs> <laughs> it starts a war. <laughs> oh fuck. Oh, dude. Well, this, listen, man, it's been a blast uh, having you on. I got to ask you the big three questions that we ask every guest. So uh, I'm sure you'll knock him out of the park. Um, first one, if you can go back in time and talk to your younger self, what piece of advice would you give yourself to help you out today? Piece of, buy travel insurance, you idiot. Um, <laughs> Stop taking days I would, I, off. Yeah, don't take days off. Buy travel <laughs> insurance. And for the love of God, uh, you know, learn Russian better and learn to speak it without a dumb accent. Um, I think that's probably the the big things I'd tell my younger self. I thought you were killing like, it. Okay, my Russian is fine when I'm sober. It's like, oh. but once I get drunk, it gets to vodka <laughs> and it just ends up in this, you know, really rough Australian accent, wow. um, which, which it just stands out like a sore thumb because it raises way more questions than it should <laughs> um yeah so i definitely yell at myself about that okay that's great um second question what had to end in your life good or bad in order for you to wind up where you are today oh that's actually a really good question um i used to be in a touring rock band for years and i was a full-time nice. i was playing i was you know i wow. Look, I'm a chubby white guy. Of course, I'm a bass player. It just comes with the terror. When they hand me, a, they hand me a cardigan and a bass, and they say, "Good luck, kiddo." Um, <laughs> and I, I, I did that for, for years, and I enjoyed it. We played festivals, and I did the touring circuits, and you know, did that. But you know, when I was starting to get, you know, I was doing all these shows, but getting offers to do conflict journals, and I kind of couldn't do, you know, one 
I couldn't do both. And it was that right. decision of, do I keep doing the, you uh, know, running around Australia again and again and again and again, again, just playing shows or do I stop that and kind of start doing long deployments over, over and, uh, and, you know, doing conflict journalism. And then I realized wow. I'm, you know, becoming a, a chubby white guy who looks like a dad. The music thing is probably not going to work for me forever. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the band Blues Traveler? I'm not sure you're uh, correct in that. They also have talent. That's the difference. Ah, and okay. harmonicas. Mm. They Harmon do. They do. Ah, the harmonica. Mm. Um, that's crazy, man. That's awesome, though. You got to see. That's nice that you got to do a little bit of both. Mm. Like it was. It was good. It's. It's definitely. You know, when my kid. You know, my my child will be like. You know, oh, dad, you never did anything cool. And we're like, oh, sit down. <laughs> the following. <laughs> the following are war crimes, actually. <laughs> um, but do you do you feel like? Uh, like that's been satisfied. The need Not to yet. play. I, I oh, still, wow. I still have some. I still have some. You know, uh, you know, d dumb. You know, uh, young nonsense in me. Uh, I know. I just signed a contract to go out to Anthrax Island, probably at the end of this year. So, um, where it's Very fantastic. Nice. You no know, one's, no one's been there. It'll be a great story. But I've also got told that if the hazmat suit goes, I've got about twenty minutes to live. Uh, and the nearest wow. hospital is about 500 Holy k's away, um, which is great. Again, it'll make a great story if I live yeah. through it. You got to come uh, back and talk to us about that because uh, when is that? That'll probably be the end of the year. As okay. we're sorting out, I just want to plan anyway. anything around that time just for your track record. But um, then again, if the if the Uzbek gov government is listening, I'm not going there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going to check out the desert. So just ignore me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so then our last question is my favorite question because it ties into the show. If this was a genuine dystopia, uh, you know, fucking comet heading toward Earth, alien zombies, uh, fire. Well, there's fire everywhere now, but, um, you know, that kind of shit going on. What would be your epic death? How would you want to go out? Projecting brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends across the comet as it runs towards us <laughs> would just feel like the best late stage capitalism we could do here. All right. Um, you know, we cut to see it and just we cut to, you know, Applebee's, you know, $4, $4 chicken licking fingers in between, you know, <laughs> nuclear blasts. I'm all for that. Go for uh, it. That's um, no, I think about if I was going to go out, I would probably. I'd probably just just go on air and just announce the following people have committed war crimes and just <laughs> list them all off. <laughs> Just be like, I have witnessed the following things. You know, that seems like the way to go. Um, do the whole, you know, that that Simpsons bit where Kent Brockman's like, the following people are gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that, that, but that, but with war crimes, perfect. That's fucking great, man, uh, dude. It's been a blast talking to you. I feel like every time I do get to talk to you, which is, this is twice now, but I mean, I feel like mm. I just learn a lot. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, sharing with us. It was us. an absolute pleasure. Anytime. I'm sure when the uh, when the conflict gets even worse and we start invading Moldova, <laughs> because I took a day off, I'll come right back and we can chat <laughs> about that. <laughs> thank you so much, dude. Thanks, man. Have a great one. It's an absolute it's pleasure. pleasure. Peace. Bye. Dystopia tonight.